Well, we end tonight with a success story, an ongoing one, at least. Despite living in an age of virtual reality and video games, it is a classic toy invented way back in the 50s that continues to rule the roost. According to the American market research company, the NPD group Barbie was the global top toy property in 2021. That's just part of the story. Mattel is in the midst of moving Barbie, or at least the brand, into the 21st century. A world of Barbie immersive experience is now open in the Toronto suburb of Mississauga at Square One. There's social media, uh, a feature film due out next year, of course you may have heard of, and already animated features on places such as Netflix. Here is the trailer for Barbie Big City Big Dreams. Hello? Have you made it big on Broadway yet? (laughs) Competition is fierce. But there's only one Barbie. Funny you should say that. I made a new friend, and guess what her name is? I'm Barbie, Barbie Roberts. We have the the same same name? name? Two Barbies share the spotlight. Competition isn't always about winning. It's about bringing out the best in each other. In an all-new musical movie in New York City. New York, I love you already. Yeah, that's Barbie and Barbie. Big city, big dreams. You get the point. Uh, They've really expanded uh, the appeal, or at least the brand. And it's part of Mattel's bigger turnaround. They're also bringing back such uh, such iconic brands as Hot Wheels and Masters of the Universe. And uh, it's been quite the success story. And joining me now with more on is James Zahn. He's deputy editor of The Toy Book, an American toy industry trade publication, North America's leading publication, in fact, covering the toy industry since 1984. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking toys this evening. Yeah, it's always a fun conversation. Uh, I mean, I haven't paid a lot of attention to Barbie of late, but there's been a real shift going on. I mean, the last I remember was all the controversy over how it was dated and it was time to, you know, Barbie was past its due date. Uh, But Mattel seems to have have shifted things a lot of late. Yeah, Mattel has been in the midst of a multi-year turnaround effort. And as a matter of fact, earlier this year, about January or so, their CEO declared that the turnaround is complete. And what had happened at Mattel is over the last decade or two, they had gone through a lot of turnover at the top. Um, The CEO was sort of a, a game of musical chairs for a number of years. And then, of course, they were trying to sort of figure out their place because they're a stable of these iconic brands like Barbie and Hot Wheels and Masters of the Universe. But of course, kids are evolving. Play is totally evolving as well. And uh, Barbie has always sort of dominated the doll aisle, but there probably hasn't been um, such a competitive era of the last 20 years. So Barbie really did need to get reestablished and sort of get with the times. Um, And now here we are, and Mattel is making a ton of money. They're moving a ton of dolls. And a lot of it is due to the fact that they're able to position this iconic brand with Barbie um, as something that is totally relevant for kids of today, but still tap into that 60-year-plus lineage of the brand. Yeah, it was amazing to see how they've managed to turn it around because obviously there was a lot of, I mean, the Barbie brand was a source of a lot of criticism, but its legacy is a source, must be a source of great strength because it's so familiar. Yeah, I mean, you there's that distinctive Barbie pink and you think of all of the careers that Barbie has had 
over the years, which was actually truly groundbreaking when that came out, that Barbie sort of goes with the phrase, you can be anything. Barbie has been an astronaut and has been to the space station and zookeeper and doctor and pop star and rock and roller, all kinds of different things. But there was this ideal of Barbie as sort of, you know, the, the blonde hair, the Barbie doll image. And that's one of the things that Mattel really zeroed in on changing so that kids could sort of see themselves and see their neighbors, sort of make Barbie a brand that is more reflective of the world around us. And that's where some of these lines have come in. Like they have a, a brand called Barbie Fashionistas and um, they're, they're made in all different types of skin tones and hair types and different body shapes. And there's men and there's women and they just look more like the people out there in the world. That takes some doing though. I mean, that's certainly easier said than done for any company to take its most iconic brand and then shift it, you know, put it through that sort of transformation because it can also land very flat. You're taking risks, right? Absolutely. This is not something that you can just snap your fingers and make happen. And of course, in the toy business as well, what a lot of folks don't realize is that there is a very long lead time. If you and I came up with a cool toy idea today and someone were to greenlight that idea, we're looking at anywhere from, you know, the average would be about 18 months to get that out to the shelf. That has been coming down a little bit in recent years, especially with sort of all the supply chain issues and things in the world. Speed to market is very important. So it's coming down a little bit, but that sort of year and a half timeline just to get a new toy from idea to a store shelf to a kid's toy box. And for Barbie, this has been like an overall brand reinvention over the course of about the last five years specifically. And they've done a lot too, just beyond the toys in reaching out to kids and families. Um, they have an initiative called the Dream Gap Project, which is all about how they've discovered through different research that kids, especially girls, start to uh, question their self-worth at a very young age. And for young girls, that dream gap, as they as they say, is where it starts to affect them internally, that maybe they can't do the same things that boys might do or whatnot. There, there's a lot of psychological elements at play here. And it's fascinating how they've been able to work that into sort of real world doing good with different social initiatives, but still somehow tie it back to playing with a toy. How has Barbie, how has Mattel evolved the brand for a modern age? You think of video games, lifestyle, social media, all those things where the brand is probably pretty strong. Uh, but that's a lot of, you know, that takes a lot of planning to make that work. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we're seeing a lot now is location-based experiences. So there's this Barbie experience tour, which uh, just kicked off uh, outside of the Toronto area recently and is going to travel to different large cities across North America. These are sort of like the photo ops and the real live in-person hands-on experiences where basically the kids and their families get to live within that world. Like there's 
there's like a, a space pod and different things and a camper van and you can kind of live that experience live and in person but then they do these other initiatives throughout the year where um, they will occasionally have like barbie pop-ups at different retailers they have spun it a lot into entertainment content so netflix is a prime example where they've done quite a few barbie specials and animated this is like cg animation um, barbie feature films that they put this content out on netflix and within a week or two of the new content hitting the streaming platform they start to see a double digit bump in the toy department as far as kids going out and you know asking mom and dad whoever to buy them some new stuff so that kind of ties into it and then you have this market that uh the the buzzword in the toy business right now is kidult because kids don't really have to grow up anymore adults want to collect things they want to play with things they have an affection for the stuff they grew up on as a kid and you have all these lifestyle brands with different apparel and accessories that grown-ups can enjoy and that sort of i think is all going to come together next summer when this live action barbie movie comes out with ryan gosling as ken and margot robbie as barbie but one of the things that's sort of been played down lately is they may not only be the only barbie and ken in the movie there have really? been rumors that there might be other barbies and kens out there i'm speaking with james on he's the deputy editor of the toy book uh we're talking about uh the resurrection really or the turnaround at mattel specifically uh its big brand barbie and just how much has changed in the last five years a real shift in both the marketing uh, of Barbie and and the product itself, uh, appealing to or trying to appeal to a much broader audience uh, and sort of moving with the times. A, a, a toy that was often felt to be stuck back in the 50s has certainly uh, evolved into the 21st century quite rapidly uh, over the last bit. When we come back, we'll talk just a bit about what lies ahead. Uh, there is going to be a release of a very popular 90s Barbie um, again, and uh, they're, you know, they're moving with the times. And also just can you be trying to be too many, too much to too many people? Is that a risk that Mattel is running here? We'll be back with that. My guest is James Zahn. He's the deputy editor of The Toy Book, an American toy industry trade publication, North America's leading publication covering that industry since 1984. We're talking about uh, Mattel's turnaround over the past little while, the iconic toy brand. If you grew up in the 80s like I did, I mean, Mattel was everywhere, right? It was it. Was it. it was one of the big brands, but certainly its main product, Barbie, fell on uh, some fell under some criticism uh, of recent, recent times, and they've set about modernizing uh, their most uh, valued and most popular brand. Um, James, is there a risk here at all of trying to be too much to too many people with this particular product? I don't think it's particularly a risk, and it's largely because if you look at where we are uh, in life right now and as a society, sort of everyone has to be everything to everybody. And there are so many different interests out there. It makes sense to try to reach a large audience. And for a brand like Barbie, it's cross-generational. So now they're able to connect with new generations of kids, which will, of course, carry that brand forward into the future. But they're all also reaching parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that have played with these toys throughout the last 60 years. So it's very exciting. And 
not just you know not just happening with barbie at mattel uh hot wheels is bigger than ever matchbox is on a big comeback run right now masters of the universe which is another 80s icon that's uh turned 40 this year is back in a big way and then they're trying to um work on some of the smaller brands as well but it's really about being a franchise going beyond just toys and having um entertainment to go with it and we're talking tv music movies uh there's a lot of different ways and they all seem to gel together one of the things I found really interesting about the Mattel story is so often it's the other way around. You know, you have these these movies or these products that then foster this sort of paraphernalia or the doll products, for instance. This way, it's it's the other way around. They've taken an existing doll and turned it into a multimedia experience. And that's uh, th that must offer some lessons for other companies out there who have nostalgia products who haven't quite found the magic formula just yet. Yeah, and it's really interesting to look at sort of the approach from uh, the big two or the big three toy makers. If you look at how Mattel approaches their IP versus how Hasbro deals with theirs or how Lego approaches their brands, uh, there are some different fundamentals. So on the business side of things, Mattel has been, um, I guess, very well thought in partnering with different entertainment studios to develop their toys into entertainment properties um and they sort of farm it out you know they do a deal with warner brothers or sony or netflix and they sort of don't put the financial risk on mattel itself versus a company say like hasbro which acquired an entertainment studio a couple years ago they acquired e1 so they take on a little more financial risk by developing more stuff in-house. So there's a layer behind the scenes of how toys and entertainment intersect that Mattel is playing differently. And by working with this sort of multitude now of different companies with all of these, last I heard they had about 35 different um, entertainment projects in the works uh, for movies and television. Uh, it's pretty astounding. It is. And and there's a new product coming out. I was talking about it in the tease. You've written about it uh, in a toy book this week. Uh, there's a there's a 90s Barbie making a comeback, taking advantage of some of that 90s nostalgia that's out there now that kids who grew up in the 90s are hitting their 40s. Yeah, it's a totally hair Barbie is back. And that doll first came out about, well, right on the 30 year mark. So like 1992, she had ankle length hair that grew out from the top that kids could style. Of course, it was peppered with some of that 90s sort of Technicolor neon thing that it was all happening. Uh, and of course, toy, toys are very cyclical, sort of like other things. You know, in the 80s, people were sort of obsessed with the 50s and it kind of runs on like that rolling 30-year cycle. And here we are again and uh, Totally Hair Barbie. Yeah, they just reintroduced it. And even with that, they have uh, all different types of them. There's not just one. You can get different Barbies that look more like you and your friends. It must be an exciting time to be covering the toy business because it seems to be, um, you know, sort of re parts of the, you were talking about the majors sort of re-emerging and reinventing themselves. So not only is it interesting just for the products, but for the business behind it. 
It is. You know, the toy industry, I think, in the last couple of years has taken on a more mainstream focus with people. And I, I think a lot of it actually might have happened sort of between 2017 and 18 when Toys R Us was collapsing in the U.S. and on the verge of collapse in Canada. And of course, it played out very well in Canada with new ownership. But um, the the general public sort of wanted to know what's going on behind the scenes here how does this stuff get developed how does it get to the shelves and the business behind it i always kind of equate it to being kind of like movies you know you might not work in hollywood but you want to know what goes on behind the scenes and with toys there's a, a running running thing it's the old cliche you know what what's old is new again and that sort of happens and we're seeing it this year like one of the brands i mentioned before was masters of the universe is 40 this year and that's a mattel property well 20 years ago 2002 they were doing a 20th anniversary line so here we are 20 years later and there's 40th anniversary products so some of these brands just have a legacy that doesn't go away and they never go away fully they sort of just recede a little bit and they wait for the right generation to pop up again and then they get back on the scene any favorites of yours from that era? I remember Masters of the Universe very well, specifically that what would look like a very antiquated cartoon right now. Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed that growing up. Of course, I was also into Star Wars and Transformers and things. I, I played with my sister a lot. I, I played a lot of Barbie. Um, my thing when I used to play with my sister back then was uh, Barbie and the Rockers. Where right. they had a band. I remember um, that. They yeah. had the stage and everything. And of course, that was another toy industry competition happening. Mattel had that, but then the folks at Hasbro came up with Gem and the Holograms. So they kind of went head to head battle of the bands with their dolls. But um, if you kind of uh, go totally core memory type of thing, I loved my big wheel, my three wheel oh, yeah. trike. Those when were I was awesome. A kid. Those, whatever happened to those? They still make them. Um, that's another one, too, where the the license to make big wheels sort of changes hands every couple years and someone tries to relaunch it. But uh, I'm I, I just have such a soft spot for that. I wore mine out with that. They had that handle on the side that you could pull and kind of skid out yep. and wear the wheels down. I just remember the sound of the plastic on the gravel. It made a very unique sound compared to uh, to your bicycle. James Zahn, thank you so much for your time tonight. You're quite welcome. Thanks for having me.